This is the first episode of a seven-part series from RTE Documentary on One. To listen to the series in full, please subscribe to Tiger Roll, The People's Horse, from wherever you get your podcasts. There's a moment in every horse race where things become clear. That can be at the finishing line, around the last turn, over the last fence. Some say that it happens before all that, that it's destiny. So out in front, the mayor Magic of Light leads Rathbinder and Tiger Roll. Every year, there's one horse race that sparks the world's imagination, the Grand National. And in 2019, an Irish horse named Tiger Roll was sent to stage. last in the national, Tiger Roll moving through the press. Magic Aiming to do something that hadn't been done in almost 50 years winning the world's greatest steeplechase for a second time in a row. Down to the last and I gradually going to and meeting the last of brilliant stride. Just at this point, where everything is starting to become clear in this race, if you look at Tiger Roll's jockey, Davy Russell, he's pretty much motionless. It's as if Tiger is racing himself. All I do is I open up my fingers. I don't even have to push them. I squeeze my legs and just open up my fingers and it quickens down to the last. I'm just gone. As they race down towards the last and Tiger Roll goes to the front in the National. At the National, the noise from the crowd and the home stretch is deafening. The weight of expectation from everyone connected to Tiger is heavy. There's 600 million people watching the race live around the world, yet all that sits easy on Tiger's back just as Davy does, and destiny is about to unfold. Tiger Roll was nine years old when he won a second Grand National. His route to that point was anything but straightforward. Smooth as silk, the little tiger popped round the inside, poked his head up a balance. You don't really need to know about horse racing to follow the story of Tiger Roar, because it's the ultimate story of an underdog, an unlikely champion, or in the words of his trainer, the horse of a lifetime. I don't get upset too very often, but listen, everyone loves him, the people's horse. I can't believe it. Tiger Roar just to recover from that lung-bursting effort. In making history. You're listening to episode one of Tiger Roll, The People's Horse, from RTE's Documentary in One. My name is Liam O'Brien, and together with my colleagues Michael Lawless and Tim Desmond, we've spent the last few years following the remarkable story of Tiger Roll and all those who've played a part in his life. Some you might know, and some who've never spoken publicly before. It's like you died and went to heaven. I mean, you know, it's just phenomenal. And... <laughs> Tiger Roll is a legend. It's, it's incredible. I'm flo- floating on air here. Tiger's story begins just outside the village of Port Row in County Tipperary. Right, hey, Gordon. Yep. This is where Jerry O'Brien lives. He's the man who bred Tiger Roll. Jerry's retired now, but he used to work as a vet and was always involved in horse breeding. The large, elegant house where Jerry lives sits at the end of a long driveway. Hi, Jerry. Overlooking the shores of Loch Derg. 
Jerry lives here with his two dogs and one horse, Tiger Roll's mother. How are you? Hey Jerry, Michael. Yeah, Michael. Thanks very much for oh, yeah. talking to us. This is Liam Brown. Liam, Pleased Liam, to meet you, Jerry. How are you? Good. It's a beautiful place, and it's where Tiger Roll spent the first seven months of his life, and where his mother still lives. What did uh, Richard Burton said? He said, "Those low-grade clouds are squeezing my spirit like a vice." I'm out of here. <laughs> he, he left South Wales for California. Not to be said for it. There is. It's yeah. January 2020 four months before that year's Grand National was cancelled due to COVID. As we step into Jerry's kitchen, we see glimpses of horse racing everywhere, including lots of images of Tiger Roll. Jerry's relationship with Tiger began years before he was even born, because he owned Tiger's grandmother, a horse named On Air. His grandmother now On Air couldn't get her to stay in a stable. She preferred to be out. Day and night, winter, summer. Good temperament, tough. Family were very tough. Mind over body, too, you know. So much about racehorses is about their breeding. All racehorses today can trace their lineage back to just three stallions in the 1790s. Tiger's grandmother had a filly foal of her own, a female, whom Jerry named Swiss Roll. And it is she who'd become Tiger's mother and who's at least part responsible for his name too. Because originally I, I, I named the, the um, Swiss roll after my mother, in the sense that all our mothers were great cooks, and they used to make these Swiss rolls. So I just said it might be a nice name for her. Tiger's mother, Swiss roll, was born in the year 2000, and Jerry placed her in the hands of trainer Tommy Stack, also based in County Tipperary. She was, she was just an ordinary horse and she won a race or two, but she was just a normal mare. She was okay in training. We had her for a couple, two, three years, you know, that was it. The last horse before Tiger Roll to win back-to-back Grand Nationals was a horse named Red Rum. And Tommy Stack was one of the jockeys who rode Red Rum to Grand National success back in the 1970s. People used to come up and ask me about him, always, and even to this day, they still inquire about him, you know. It makes you feel they haven't forgotten things, things that haven't forgotten. But to win something like that, they're never forgotten, you know. But back to Swiss Roll, Tiger Roll's mother. She raced in the flat, never jumped fences. And of the 19 times she raced, she won twice. When her race career ended, Swiss Roll became what's known as a broodmare, going on to give birth to a foal each year. Was she always going to be a broodmare? Yeah, she was always going to be a broodmare. She was a well-made filly, she was well-made and everything else. And she, you know, she's a good body and good legs and, and a good head on her and everything else, you know. So to, to breed something like she's bred now is something else, you know. That doesn't happen too often. When Swiss Roll returned home, Jerry's instinct told him that she could produce some top-quality foals. Swiss Roll, she never gave up. She kept trying and trying. And I mean, if you think about it, in rugby or any Gaelic games or anything, it's the fellas that are determined and usually come on top, don't they? And this family is full of it, like, you know. Stamina and the tough and, and keep going, you know. The will to win. They're racing then for the derby. And 
In choosing a stallion to put Swiss Roll into foal, Jerry knew that if he could add some speed into the mix, then the foal could be something special. At least that was the dream. And he's coming to the four, authorised is settled in about midfield, maybe slightly worse. And so he got in contact with his pal Mick Buckley, who was then a manager working at Kildangan Stud in County Kildare, part of a global horse racing operation named Godolphin and home to some of the best racehorse stallions in the world. One in particular had caught Jerry's eye. And uh, I quite liked Authorised, which is a good racehorse. A good racehorse might be understating it a little. In 2007, Authorised ran in the Epsom Derby, Britain's richest horse race. It's designed for three-year-old horses who run very fast. This is a flat race, so no jumps, and it's run over a mile and a half. Horses will hit speeds of over 40 miles an hour. And that year, the winner's cheque was in excess of £700,000 sterling. Previous winners of the race include horses like Shergar and Nijinsky. And in 2007, all eyes in the derby were unauthorised. He was the favourite to win, and his jockey, Frankie de Torre, had failed to win the race in his previous 14 attempts. Eagle Mountain and Salford Mill, de Torre's date with destiny. Would it be realised? De Torre is clear in the derby for authorised five or six lengths. He's had to wait 15 years, but a blitzing performance by at the line authorised will give Frankie de Torre his first derby by five lengths. After that huge win, authorised raced just three more times before retiring from racing to become a breeding stallion for his owners, Godolphin. Stallion breeding can be a very lucrative business. With top stallions earning well in excess of €100,000 every time they get a mare into foal. When Jerry chose Authorised as the stallion to put his mare Swiss Roll into foal, he didn't pay any fee. So Mick gave me a foal share. Because he made what's known as a foal share deal. I put the mare up and the stallion people put the stallion up. I don't have to pay the stallion fee. So he wouldn't pay anything now, but when the foal was sold, Jerry and the stallion owners would share the proceeds. Whatever the foal makes, then we divide it. So it saves me having to put up the fee. No, it's, it's worked out very well, but I can thank Mick Buckley for that. You know, he was very generous about the whole thing. Jerry brought Swiss Roll back home to Tipperary to wait out her pregnancy, which would last for 11 months. The foal she was carrying would become Tiger Roll. That year, like every year, Jerry fed and handled Swiss Roll daily. He'd talk to her, occasionally groom her, and move her from paddock to paddock. It was just the two of them. In this sport of kings, where breeders can sometimes have hundreds of broodmares, Jerry O'Brien only has one, Swiss Roll. As the winter of 2009 passed into 2010, Swiss Roll continued her pregnancy at home with Jerry, right through until early March, when her foal was due to arrive. Jerry isn't set up to have a foal born at home, so he took Swiss Roll to Castlehyde Stud, just outside Fomoy, County Cork, and up the road from Michael Flatley's place. This is where Swiss Roll would have her foal, with round-the-clock attention. Joe Hernan is the manager there. 
the Merfold on the 14th of March at uh, about 4.15 in the morning because I've just looked it up. Um, Paddy Roach and the Roach family do all the foaling with us. She's like any other mare. They all give signs. You know, some can get into trouble and they don't give signs, but this mare was plain, ordinary and simple and followed the textbook. She went into labour maybe an hour or two before she foaled and she broke her waters and out came the foal. These are the moments that breeders like Jerry anxiously wait for. News that the mare was fine and the foal was fine. Then it's to find out the gender. In general, colts or males make better racehorses, and that's what this foal was. Son of the stallion authorised and the mare Swiss roll. Fine colt. Um, he weighed in at uh, 135, if I remember correctly, which would have been a good strong foal. Weighing in at about nine and a half stone, the newborn tiger roll quickly got to his feet and began looking for his mother's teeth and first drink of milk. Then he just pulled himself together and he had a lot of quality and strength about him. He, he was always a, always a bit different. Swiss Roll's foal was a bay colour, a kind of a reddish-brown coloured body with a black mane, tail, ear edges and lower legs. And this foal had something else that marked him out, a white star in his forehead. Jerry didn't come down to see the foal for about two or three days and um, I had been pressurising him too because we recognised that the foal was a little bit different. We foal a lot of mares here and one foal is often very much like another. But you see quality and this horse had a lovely head. He had good bone, good structure and um, he was always alert and he was beautifully marked. I remember when I went down to see him he just had a lot of presence about him when I went into the box to see him with his mother. He's just, that's the first thing that hit me. And as a foal, he was, I would say he was above average height. When you'd walk into the stable, he would look at you before he would go back to his mother and he'd just ignore you. He had plenty of strength about him too. Just the way he'd stand, the way he'd look, he, he was very um, happy within himself. You couldn't agitate him or anything like that. Great, um, I feel like charisma. You know, some people have that without saying anything. And he had that look about him. For the Lord of all he surveyed, you'd pick him out anywhere. He's got that lovely personal white star. After a few weeks, Jerry brought Swiss Roll and her new foal back to his home on the lakeshore in County Tipperary, where his focus was now on giving this new foal the best start in life. Courtyard is just in front of the lake. More stables than have horses. But this would be where the tiger was, was kept himself and his mother. They were mostly out by night anyway most of the time. They'd only come in if, if they had to. So this would have been decent stable for him. You know, plenty of room and uh, decent feeding trough and fresh water there. So. And what did you call Tiger? Did you call him, did you have a nickname? Or? Harry. Yeah, I always put names on them, yeah. Yeah. Having now been named Harry, for the next six months, Harry grew upwards and his mother, Swiss Roll, began to grow outwards. She was in foal again. Jerry began working with his foal, on his temperament and eating his food. Neither of those things can come easy sometimes. It's a little and often approach, but it can pay dividends throughout the life of a thoroughbred racehorse. If you have a small number and you look after them, and if you get their temperaments right, yeah, when they're young foals and get them 
and then if you feed them well. So when they go into training, their temperaments are right and they're eater, good eaters. So you have a lot done. For now, as the spring of 2010 turned into summer, Jerry maintained the same routine. Each morning, out to the field with fresh hay and feed. Even though Swiss Roll and Jerry were firm companions, Harry, her foal, well, he was only figuring things out. But slow and gentle encouragement from Jerry brought him closer and closer. And as his confidence grew, Harry liked to put on a bit of a show for Jerry. He'd do, you know, if he'd go out in the evening, he'd put on a little performance for you. Like all, all of them, they all seem to do that out of that family. They're just waiting for you to come out and they'll jump in the air like pet lambs. They might do a figure of eight or something. And that, you know. So they get, you know, plenty of individual attention and they seem to like it. And you know, I find that when they get to know you and that, they'll do anything for you. They're always out there to please you, I find. Even as a foal, it was becoming clear that the young tiger liked to do things on his own terms. If you took him on and tried to bully him, you'd lose that battle, you know. We'd have the very odd skirmish, but you just let him do his own thing and he'd do anything for you, yeah. But nothing, nothing major, but you, you knew that um, you wouldn't take him on. You could do anything with him out in the field even, he'd stand for you a whole lot. But if you tried to push him to do something, no. He'd do it in his own time. As the months progressed, Harry, or Tiger Roll as he'd eventually be named, continued to grow and gain confidence. At times Jerry found himself having to hide behind the wall of his vegetable garden. Because if Jerry was spotted, the young tiger was off putting on another show. On the summer now, Davis, you'd have to hide. If I was going out into the garden, I'd hide because if he saw me, he'd come straight down and do like what he'd do, like the lambs, you know, they go up in the air. And that and he was afraid he'd hurt himself, but never came to any harm here anyway, so it's grand. The days of Jerry standing alone in his fields, with Swiss Roll by his side and the young tiger running a circle of eight around him, were coming to an end. These are the bittersweet times. Horse training is an expensive business, and having retired a few years earlier, keeping Tiger Roll was never an option for Jerry. Probably, um, if I was working at the time, <laughs> I would have, yeah. Yeah, I'd have had the funds to keep him, put him in training. But, no, I did, it, didn't, it didn't enter my head at that stage. Now, I, I would have been thinking about it all right if I, if I was working, sure. But you just don't know what way things are going to go in, in, in the horse business. I mean, there's so many permutations. You never know. The day when the young Tiger Roll left his paddock at Jerry's home in Port Row was a difficult day for all three of them. Swiss Roll would never meet her son again. Tiger would never meet his mother again. And Jerry was left wondering what lay ahead. It's not nice. I don't like to see them going. You know, they're like... They're like my dogs, you know, you just don't like anything you want to happen to them. Or You get to just, particularly when you've only got a few, you get to know them individually really well. And it's when, when they leave, even at the sales, you just don't like to see them going either. I know you have to make the thing pay, but there's always, a, always you know, traumatic when they, when they go on and leave. You know. 
The day Tiger left Jerry's yard was the same day he was weaned from Swiss Roll. Jerry leaves the weaning, where the foal no longer suckles their mother, to as late as possible, in tune with how it would happen in the wild. And so in October 2010, at seven months of age, and about five times heavier now than when he was born, Tiger Roll was facing into the biggest transition in his young life, leaving everything and everyone he knew behind him. In the horse racing business, when foals are to be sold, they normally go to a place that specialises in getting horses ready for sale at public auctions. These are known as consignment yards, and the one Jerry's foal was heading for was near Trim in County Meath. My name is Bill Dwan from the Castlebridge Consignment. My job is to, we sell and consign horses for other people, so basically what we do is it's like getting, getting a diamond and basically we polish them, so... We, we get these foals in and we get them hand walking daily and build up their muscle and, and basically get, their, get them shining. It's like a, nearly a beauty therapy for six to eight weeks. The things that Jerry had worked on with the young tiger roll, his temperament, getting him to eat well, they were now beginning to pay off. It's a big change bringing a foal from, especially a quiet stud like Jerry's, into an environment where we would have maybe... 20 or 30 other foals being prepared for sale. So mentally that's tough on them, but this horse handled it exceptionally well. So he, he came straight into, into a new stable, a new farm, you know, new people looking after him, and he just put his head into the corner and started eating, which, you know, may sound simple, but you would see other foals coming and they're, you know, they're shouting and, and getting excited for weeks on end. This horse didn't do any of that. Absolutely nothing fazed him, so... He didn't do stress or he, he never got excited. Other foals you get, they may cause problems. They might have you know, sore legs or bang themselves or bump themselves. Again, thankfully the tiger, I checked back actually on his veterinary notes and, and I don't think the vet ever even saw him. You could see how mature he was mentally and physically from an early stage. Horses are just like any of us. They love to be loved. Jerry's a very natural environment down there. The foals are outside a lot and they're out running around a lot, so he would have got very good individual care and individual attention. It's not as if he came off a big commercial stud with maybe 100 foals. He, you know, this was the apple of Jerry's eye, and, uh, and in fairness to Tiger, he knew it too. So, you know, a seven-month-old foal, he was physically stronger than a lot of the foals of that age. For Jerry's foal, it was like being in school. Was one of the girls, Olive Cosgrove, used to look after him during his fall prep and, and hand walk him every day. On his second day, he began to learn how to be walked around by somebody, just as he would in a sales ring. He'd also need to become used to people he didn't know handling him, looking at him, picking up his feet, all the kind of things that potential buyers do before they decide to purchase a young foal. Day two, we start... Uh, we commenced the hand walking basically so they'd be fitted with a bridle and a bit for the first time. A bridle is what goes over the horse's head and the bit at the back of the horse's mouth helps it stay in place. Attach a rope to the bridle and Tiger could now be walked around. A lot of these foals wouldn't know how to hand walk and we have to kind of teach them to, you know, basically show themselves off as, as best they can. The Tiger walks straight into it. 
handled it very, very well. He seemed to sense, he seemed to know exactly what you were doing from day one. We, we would then increase the, the hand walking on a daily basis. The more work you gave him, the better he got. Was, he loved it. There was never a day he said, oh, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. He, he took it all in his stride. After about six weeks in Bill Dwan's consignment yard, Jerry's foal was now ready for his biggest test, a public sales ring in Newmarket. The UK centre for the multi-billion pound racehorse breeding industry. And it's here that every year, agents and owners gather in the hope of purchasing future racing stars. The decision was made then to bring him to England, to Tattersall's in England, probably for the, the reason being he was by a sire called Authorised who won the English Epsom Derby. And we just thought the sire's progeny might have more appeal in, in uh, England rather than Ireland. Now known as lot 975 in the sales catalogue, Tiger was under five foot in height to his back, with his head now looking down at you. His coat was getting a little hairy, but with his black legs, white star and bay-coloured body, he was in immaculate condition as he was loaded up for the next chapter of his young life. The day we bring them to the sales, it's... Uh you have to load them on a horse box and the tiger would have left the farm here at 5 o'clock in the evening time and he would have got into Newmarket about 6am the next morning. So it's a long trip for a young horse and some of them, again, they may get a temperature. They may, you know, you have to, we observe their temperatures and get a vet to check them over when they arrive. But tiger, thankfully, he just, uh, he just walked off the box uh, in Newmarket and straight into the stables at Tattersall's. He didn't get excited. He put it, Again, he put his head in the corner and just started eating. For the two days before the sale, Jerry's foal was examined and looked at by potential buyers. His groom took him out for short walks, attracting lots of interest. This was a whole new world for the young tiger. Over a thousand foals were catalogued for sale over those four days. And Jerry's foal was down for sale on day three, November 26th, 2010. Here in front of me, I have the catalogue page of Tiger Roll when he was sold as a foal. Interesting at the time, the mare had three foals, his dam Swiss Roll had three foals of racing age but she hadn't bred a winner at that stage so, you know people would have been slightly starting to wonder is this mare going to produce a winner or not, so the jury would have been slightly out. The catalogue page for each foal for sale lists their parents, grandparents and great grandparents. In Tiger's case, it showed something which was a little unusual back then, that both his mother and father shared the same grandfather, a stallion named Sadler's Wells. Sadler's Wells, who's the greatest sire I've ever seen, is basically having the best that you can get, you know. Jerry O'Brien had travelled over for the sale to see what everyone would make of his phone. I don't go to many sales. I wouldn't be very off-fair with what would be happening, where the bids were coming from. I wouldn't be clued into it. But he was much admired now, you know. He was a great walker and everybody, everybody. He was a very nice foal, you know, a lovely foal. But, you know, there's lots of, I don't know how many, hundreds of them are there uh, that week. But um, he stood out in his own way. Foal sales on the day went anything from a foal not selling to north of £300,000 sterling. The question was, how would Jerry's foal fare out? 975, a son of authorised, yes, a brother, <coughs> the blues for This is a recording of the actual sale of Tiger Roll as an eight and a half month old foal. Well grown individual here, handsome sword with a proud step, the son of authorised, 
Right, give me a star for him. Come on, give me one here. Come on, give me what? Give me 30 or 40 for him. Give me $30. Come on, put him in 30. Chan, I got. I got $10. My name is John O'Kelly. I'm one of the auctioneers at Tattersall's. And Tiger Rule came into my life by way of the December sales 2010. And I had the pleasure of selling him. I had only 42 as a bid now. 40. What do you want to do, gentlemen? At 42. 42, 45, 45 I got now. I had 45 yesterday, 45 now. Seven, so would you now? I had only 45, 45. Well, all I could do is refer to my notes. And on my notes on the side, I, I'd written a well grown individual, which is funny as he's quite a small horse now, a handsome with a very proud step. And the other aspect which I found in my notes, which I found extraordinary, was that two interested parties that I, when you go round the, the yearlings, the, the full sales, you're always keeping an eye on who might be interested in the horse. And I wrote two names down on one of them was Eddie O'Leary. And it's extraordinary to my mind, and I'm not sure that Eddie realises that maybe he had passing interest, but extraordinary to my mind that all those years later he ended up in the ownership of the O'Leary family. 58, 58, he's a wonderful walker, sir, isn't he? 58, 58, 58, yes, sir, Tiger did everything that Jerry could have hoped for, walking calmly and confidently around the ring before the hammer came down. I don't need 66,000, lose him then, I don't need 66,000, all done and sold in the gate of 68, he said. 68, 70,000 bit, 70,000, we got there. I don't need 70,000, appreciate the help, sir, 70,000. He's gone now. I don't need 70,000, what I got now, 70 here. All done, finish around about a 70,000, all done now. I don't need 70,000, last time. John Ferguson, 70,000, thank you, sir. Sold for 70,000 guineas, about 85,000 euros, this was considered a fair price. And the man who bought Tiger was John Ferguson, an agent acting on behalf of Godolphin the biggest racehorse operation in the world, which is owned by Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, one of the richest rulers in the Middle East. It would be years before Tiger Roll would make sporting history, but right now, Tiger's journey was not going to work out as his new owner had hoped. If you'd go into his stable and he was tied up, and say for instance you tripped over your bucket or anything like that, he would run backwards, break the string, and, and panic. And that's where we're going in episode two of Tiger Roll, The People's Horse. Tiger Roll, The People's Horse was written, recorded and produced by Michael Lawless, Tim Desmond and myself, Limo Brown. Sound design by Damien Chanel. Production assistance from the RT Documentary in One Team. And a special thanks to all our contributors and to the RT Design, Marketing and Creative Audio Departments. For further information on the series, visit rte.ie forward slash Tiger Roll. Thanks for listening.